Take your Bible and turn over to the New Testament, to the book of Romans. And there'll be a couple of passages we'll take from there today and listen to what Paul had to say, but there'll be some other words that we'll take from 1 John and also the book of Colossians. Colossians. Um, we've been in a series called Happiness Is, and in the midst of our series, we've been sort of talking about where, where, how do we define happiness and where does it come from. If you were here, um, if you've been here all the past two Sundays, uh, there's some things that you've heard. If you've not been, you can go back and pick some stuff online at the website or on iTunes just to sort of hear, catch up to where we've been. But one of the things that we've said is that, is that no thing makes us happy. I mean, there's nothing in this world, Todd, that'll, that'll make us happy. And another thing that we have said is that um, happiness is a whole lot more about a who than it is a what. And see, some of you have demonstrated that this past week because of decisions that you've made. Some of you have made decisions based on who was going to be there or who might be involved, and you've said yes or no based on the appearance of somebody or the lack of appearance of somebody. See, some of you have set your schedule this past week based on relationships. And so we've come to know that that's, that's, that's true. And then last week, what we did is we, we had an opportunity to go back and, and read the words of Jesus and in Matthew chapter 5, in a, in a sermon that's called the Sermon on the Mount, but we look specifically at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 10 through 12 in that area, and, and we talked about what Jesus had to say about happiness, and what's the difference between the contrast between the eternal um, and the temporary, the contrast between the things of this world and the things of God's kingdom. And at the end of that passage of Scripture, Jesus himself said, listen, he said, the wise man is the one that listens and puts these things into practice. And so what it lets me know is this, is that if we really want to know true happiness, it comes back to applying that which we say that we believe. And true happiness comes when we find peace, peace with the Lord. And how many of you are at peace with the Lord today? Peace, peace with ourselves. How many of you are at peace with yourselves? truck broke down, no money in the bank, somebody's wronged you, but are you still at peace? Peace with other people. How many of you have been wronged by somebody this past week? Don't be honest. How many of you have wronged somebody else this past week? You want to raise your hand? How many of you have said something unkind about somebody this past week? How many of you have jumped to conclusions about somebody this past week? When you had no proof. How many of you have done that? Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. There's no peace in that. See, a happy person is not a bitter person, are they? No, not at all. Not at all. How many of us know happy people, people that claim to be happy, people that claim to be believers, and yet they're toting around a chip on their shoulder? There's no peace in that. How many of you are at peace with the Lord? How many of you have a specific peace with God himself? Because the New Testament teaches us that we should anchor ourselves and hold on and to live out that which we say that we believe if you really want to know what peace is, is really like. See, some of us here today aren't at peace with ourselves because there's stuff that we're holding on from the past. And you refuse to let go. Yet Jesus himself has already forgiven you. It's already forgiven you. 
And you know, you won't find freedom until you come to the place that you recognize what he has already done and that you can forgive. And in that place of forgiveness, you find freedom, true freedom. Let's talk, though, today about, about peace with God, and let's sort of set down on that today, um, because that's sort of the center. If you really want to know what peace is like, peace with God, or happiness, begins with peace with the Lord. Um, when I say peace with God, it, it, it sort of brings about the thought process. If you talk about peace, it means that there can be lack of peace, that can be uh, an absence of peace in our lives with God. And that peace comes as a result of conflict. You remember we talk about sin an awful lot around here because all of us are sinners. It's a good time to practice that. Look at the person next to you and say, I just want you to know I'm a sinner. You can do that. That's a sobering fact, isn't it? Some of you sitting by the person shared that, and the person said, I know, I know. I could have told you that. But it's a sobering conclusion to come to the fact of understanding that you're a sinner. And we learn that what our sin does is it separates us from a holy God, but it also separates us from one another. That's what sin does. It separates and this was what Paul had to say in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, as he talked to us about sin. He said this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone had sinned. So it says that Adam's sin brought death, and wherever there is sin, there is death. Anybody ever lost a relationship because of sin? Anybody ever had a broken relationship because of sin? When I was growing up, we used to, an awful lot, uh, Christian tracks used to be talked about. Are you guys familiar? I used to have a friend that he would say, leave tracks in your tracks. Um, you know, this guy was so radical, he'd go in the bathroom, unroll the whole toilet paper, and put a track every so often so that when somebody's digging down... I'm just telling you the truth. So here's a guy, and a track falls out, okay? But he would always say, leave tracks. And those tracks, if you've ever seen them, I mean, they, they would apply or, or sort of attract different people. You know, it might be about hunting and fishing. It may be something in reference to music. It may be something in reference to your age, being a teenager or being a senior adult or being a parent. But they all had the same thing in mind, what the, what the track did uh, Ashley, as the track demonstrated or showed you or helped you to understand that there's a separation between you and God, that your sin, that every one of us were sinners, and that that sin had separated us from God. Bob, you remember, you know what I'm talking about. So it had man on this side, and there was sort of like a deep valley, and then on the other side, here was a picture of, of God. So you had a picture of the old, and you had a picture of a new, and there was no way to get across that valley. Man was living in sin. Now, the misconception was that there was a way that we could make our way over to God, that we could make our way to have a relationship and that, and that we could have that relationship with God, maybe because of some good works or because maybe we go to church all the time or maybe because we're in a Bible study all the time. Are we on the same wavelength? But here was a track that somewhere along the line, it would demonstrate that there was a separation. Sin 
rebellion, separated us from a holy God. Now, see, that's really good to have. Are you here or here? Are you in a relationship with the Lord or are you in a relationship without the Lord? And yet we see in the scriptures where it teaches us that Jesus Christ came to bridge, to bridge that, that gap. To bridge that, that gap. In the scriptures, there was, there was talk of a conversation about being born again. Remember the conversation with Nicodemus and asking about, well, how in the world can a man be born again? What does it look like to be? How can I be born again when I'm old? Nicodemus was this was this leader, this religious leader that was so afraid that of, of his relationship and his desire to hear Jesus teach and his belief in Jesus that he would hide. He didn't want anybody to know that he was a secret follower of Christ. And yet he come to him in the middle of the night and said, well, how, how is it that a man can be born again? How is that possible? And the truth is this, is that Jesus came. Jesus came and died on that cross so that we could we could experience that new life and cross from death to life. And when Jesus died for us, he made it possible for us to experience that rebirth and for us to go from death into life and to be born into God's kingdom. And this is what Paul had to say as he spoke to the church at Colossae. He said this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, For he, God, has rescued us, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and transferred us into the kingdom of his, his dear son. And Paul said, listen, the reality is this. The reality is that every one of us are born into sin, that we all are sinners and that we all fall short. And it's impossible for us to get to God unless God intervenes. But the scripture teaches us that, that God demonstrated his love, that while we were yet sinners, Christ Steve Christ died for us. And you know what? He died only for the good people. The good people that were really serious about their relationship with Jesus, that showed up in church all the time, that seemed to always have it together. No, that's not true. Jesus died for us even knowing that there would be those of us, even in this room, that would turn our back on him. Can you believe that? Can you believe that there would be those of us that claim to be followers of Jesus they would walk around with necklaces that would have a cross, or we would have a Christian t-shirt, even one of those emblems on the back of your vehicle. You will never see us do an emblem on the back of a vehicle that you can put it on there, because there's no telling what you may do when you're driving down the road. <laughs> I don't want them identifying you're driving with Heritage Community Church, <laughs> or the symbols that you may seem to throw from time to time. That's not who Jesus died for, but he died for all of us, didn't he? And the Bible goes on to say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life. Peace with God. From darkness to light, separated from God. But for those who chose to trust in Christ and believe in what he had done, there was that transfer of ownership. And this is what Paul had to say about it in, in Romans chapter, chapter 5, verse 1. He said, therefore, since, and he goes on, therefore, since he, we have been made right in God's sight by, by faith. Now, that word faith is so big, and we define it, forsaking all, I trust him. Let's get your little hands out. Let's do a little kid thing today. 
I'm going to repeat it, and then I'm going to let you guys repeat after me. Forsaking all, I trust him. You little hands today, little hand symbols. Would you say it with me? Forsaking all, I trust him. One more time. Forsaking all, I trust him. What are we saying? What are we saying? What we're saying is that your faith isn't really your faith until your faith is trust is tested. How do you respond when your faith is tested, Caleb? When things don't go the way that you anticipate them going? How many of us have walked away from the faith that we say that we believe because Jesus didn't show up and perform the way we wanted him to perform? And yet here's Paul saying, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. In other words, we've been justified. We've been made right because of what Christ has done. And he said, because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done and nothing else. Nothing else. You're made right with God, not because of anything that you do, not because of any knowledge that you have, but you are only made right with God because of what Jesus Christ has done. So if you really want to summarize all of this to the point, peace with God begins with faith and trust in Jesus. Have you ever, have you ever had that time in your life where you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus? Paul said that's where it begins. And the price that was paid for us to have peace was the ultimate price. The price that was paid for you to have peace was the ultimate price. The price that was paid for me to have peace was the ultimate price. And I, you know, it's so hard to understand because Christ just didn't die knowing that all of us would turn to him and to follow him. But he died for us in spite of that. See, he died knowing that there would be those that would reject him. He died knowing that there would be those that would turn their back on him. He, he died knowing that there would be those that claimed to be followers of Christ, yet would deny him. And yet he did it anyway. He did it anyway. And then there was a disciple by the name of John that later on in his life, and if you know anything about John, John walked with Jesus. He was the beloved one. He walked with Jesus. He heard what he taught. He saw him heal. He had the opportunity to sit down and have conversations with Jesus. And later on in his life, there was some things that John began to talk about as he, as he wrote to some of the believers. And he, one of the things that he addressed was, what does it look like to wrestle with God and not have peace even when you're part of God's kingdom? You know, what does it look like to wrestle and to struggle and to not be at peace even when you say that you're a follower of Jesus? And he addressed the issue because obviously there were people that were dealing with that. And there are some of you here today that are struggling and you're wrestling, and yet you say that, that, that you're, you're part of God's kingdom. You're wrestling. And John would say this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, so we are lying if we say that we have fellowship. In other words, we're lying if we say that we have peace with God. If everything is okay, if everything is cool and everything is smooth, he says, so you're lying if we say that we have 
fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. In other words, we're, we're lying if we say that we have peace with God and continue to live in the darkness of the past. He said, what we're doing is we're not practicing the truth. He said, man, who in the world are you fooling? You're not fooling anybody else. He said, you're fooling yourself. And Paul says, listen, man, I'm just going to call it like it is. You're a liar. Rob, he just, man, he just right out in the middle. It's a, you're a liar. I mean, how many of us in here today say we have peace with God, but we're far, far from God. We're still living in spiritual darkness. You can't be at peace with God and continue living in the darkness. You're lying to yourself and you're lying to others around. And you wonder why you can't hear God's voice. Sometimes we say, I can't hear God's voice. Why? Why is that? And yet God still opens that door for us to repent and to turn to him and to seek forgiveness and restoration. Because God desires that we have peace, peace with him. A little bit later on in, in John's life, he gets really bold and courageous because he knows that, man, listen, I don't have a lot of time left, so I'm just going to tell it like it is. And so in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, he said, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. Man, he loves to use that word liar, doesn't he? You're not telling the truth. I mean, how in the world can you say that you love God, yet still be at odds with your brother? Something's not right here. How can you be at peace with God and refuse to forgive others, just as God has forgiven you? And he said, for if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God that we cannot see? I mean, how can you hate other people and say that you love God? Some of the nastiest people I know are not non-believers. You laugh, but you know it's true. Some of the nastiest people I know that wear the name of Jesus all over the place, but act like hell all week long and come to church with a smile on their face. And that's not of God. And John calls them out, said, you're a liar. So peace with God begins with faith in Jesus, but, but peace with God also not only begins with faith, but it's extended it's extended to others. Peace with God. You know, in a, in, a, in a couple of minutes, I want to give you an opportunity because some of you have never made peace with God. And you already know. I mean, if we were to put that, that slide back up there, you know, the, the, with the track, you already know what, what side that you sit on. I mean, are, are you on this side? Or are you on the other side? See, you already know where you are. You already know whether or not you've trusted Christ and you've crossed that bridge and your relationship is there with the Lord. You already know that. But I know this, there are probably some of you in this room that have never made that decision to trust Jesus. But I also know that in this room there are a lot of us that have made decisions to trust Christ. There are people that are in this room today that have already made a decision like I did as a young person to trust Jesus. You maybe walked down an aisle and you prayed a prayer, but you were very sincere. You're very sincere at that time. And it may have been at a camp, and it may have been at an event. It may have been in the quietness of your own room, but you made a decision to trust Jesus. And up until this time, you've done the best job you can 
to have a relationship with the Lord, and you've done everything possible. I mean, you've, you've tried to come to church every time the doors were open, and you've tried to be involved in a Bible study, and you've tried to be faithful in giving, and you've tried to, to serve, but there's still something that's missing. And you know it. So you've got those that are not at peace with God, and then you've got those that, that are still struggling, and they're, they've said that they're at peace with God, yet they're still wrestling. They're still wrestling. Let me ask you a question. If you're a follower of Jesus, how are you living out your faith? You know, this seems to be the room with all the Amy's in it. You know, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, how is your faith being lived out? on a daily basis right now. I mean, I guess I could really say it this way if you really wanted to make people feel guilty, which we're really good at around here. <laughs> if you were in a court of law and you were put on stage for being con and convicted of, of being a follower of Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict you? What would your closest associates say? I mean, what would the people that know you the best behind the scenes that nobody else knows? Would there be enough evidence of those that would be put on the court of law that would testify for you or against you? Would there be enough evidence that you would be convicted of being a follower of Jesus? How are you living out your faith? See, because everything really for us as believers boils down to obedience, doesn't it? Obedience. Because you know what disobedience does? It robs us from the joy and the happiness that we so much desire. That's what it does. It robs us from the blessings of walking with God. The, the blessings, the, the happiness that we so desire, the peace that we so desire is only obtained through trusting Christ. But you know what? Peace with God is only sustained, sustained by being completely submitted to him. Whoa. Have you blown that this week? I have. And you know, every time that I blow it, you know what I do? I rob myself. And every time that you blow it, you rob yourself. And yet we so desperately seek peace. Because peace with God is sustained by submission to Christ. In other words, Lord, whatever it is you want, that's what I'm willing to do. There's an old song, whatever it takes. Lord, to draw closer to you, that's what I'd be willing to do. How many of you are willing to lay down some stuff today and just say, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I'm willing to do? Sometimes God has to bring tragedy in our life. Yes, God allows tragedy in our life. Sometimes we think, good God, bad God, tragedy, God would never do that. Don't fool yourself. Go back and read the scriptures and see the numbers of people that suffered. The numbers of people that are suffering around us today for the cause of Christ. Sometimes we're not suffering for Jesus because we're not standing for Jesus. So there's really a couple of questions to ask ourselves today. Have you made peace with God? Do you know? Do you know him? I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, do you, do you know? Have you trusted Jesus? For those of us that are believers, the question is, are you at peace with God? 
Are you at peace with God? Because see, disobedience, man, it makes a mess of stuff, doesn't it? Causes a lot of unsettledness. Peace with God is only sustained through submission to Christ. Has anybody ever had one of your kids go missing? Like, you know, like at a park or, you know, at the house you can't find them and all of a sudden, man, chaos. You ever had that happen? You know, you got kids as a parent all of a sudden. Why is it always the man's fault? You were supposed to be watching them. That's hard. <laughs> There's been some times. Glad to say it wasn't my fault. <laughs> we lost Anna Grace one time. We couldn't find her. She was at, we were at the house, and I was, on the, I was on the back side of the house, and all the kids were outside, and I, don't, I think some, some people were over. But in a matter of minutes, we can't, find, we can't find Anna. She was gone. Well, you know, you start looking through the house, and you start looking through the cars. Then you start going from neighbor to neighbor to neighbor trying to find. And you know, to start off with, everything is sort of all right. Are you with me? Are you, are, you, are you with me? They're sort of like, but after a couple of minutes, after a few more minutes, and then you've checked every place that you think that she might be, it starts getting rough. Now, needless to say, there was a car that had passed by in the middle of this time that she went missing. Are you with me? I wonder if somebody picked her up and left with her. And I'm thinking, well, they would have brought her back by now. <laughs> but you got all that junk going on in your brain as well. We can't find her. And panic begins to set in. Now it's not walking. Now there's people running around looking for her. Now they're hollering her name and can't find her. And what turned out, you know, men, we try to hold it all together. Okay, baby, it's all right. Everything's going to be okay. All of a sudden I'm thinking, what in the world has happened? I jumped in the truck and just, I thought to myself, let me go down to the lake so I go over to the Davises down to the lake, and we had been there early in, earlier in the day, and lo and behold, there she is standing in the water at like three years old, and she's just having a good time. Do you think I was angry with her when I saw her? No. You know what I did? took a breath, breath to start off with, and I went over and I picked her up out of the water and I hugged her, told her how much I loved her, put her in the car, took her back to the house, was excited that she was home. See, some of you are believers and you've walked away from Jesus. You've wandered across the street and you've been playing in the water. Don't think. See, Jesus knows where you are. He's just waiting on you to come home to him. Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with God? See, you already know before I ever asked that question whether or not you have peace with God. For those of us that claim to be followers of Jesus, are you at peace with God? Have you been running 
Jesus waits for you to come back. I don't know how to put this any clearer, but I want to say this. Our Heavenly Father doesn't want you living in guilt and shame. And you know, he doesn't want you going out during the day wondering who you're going to come in contact with and whether or not you're going to be embarrassed to see so-and-so. But he wants you to live in the freedom. He doesn't want you to experience the, the consequences of disobedience. He doesn't want you staying up all hours of the night pacing because you're afraid or you're restless because of the past, but he wants you to be at peace with him. And for those of you that don't have a relationship with Jesus, I guess the question is why? What is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of all? Brian and Melvin are going to come and, and they're going to sing for us. Um, sing an incredible song but it wouldn't surprise me if there were some of you here that need to make some some really significant decisions in your life today because you wonder where the happiness is happiness begins peace with the Lord begins with trusting Jesus and you know what that peace that we experience that trust in Christ is extended to other people when we learn how to forgive them and we learn just to forgive them just like Christ has forgiven us but peace with God, peace with God is experienced when we fully submit to him. And so it wouldn't be surprising to me today if there were some of you in this room that need to go before the Lord and ask him and say, Jesus, I don't know you, but today I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want to put you in the driver's seat of my life and I want to give you full control but there are also some of you here today that claim to be followers of Jesus, but you've wandered far, far, far away. And during this song, as you have an opportunity to listen, I'm just going to ask that the Lord speak to your heart and you'd respond as you would see fit. I mean, there'll be an altar that's up here and you can come and pray. Or you have the ability to sit right there where you want to. Just to sit right there and you do business with the Lord. You have that ability. But in the end of this, I'll close this out. But will you listen to these words? And I pray that you'd respond as the Lord would have you to respond today.